Greetings and salutations. Oh, look at that big old furry face in front of you. Uh, this is Paige, and welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Paige, as I saunter through the book of Acts. Today, we're going to take a little bit of an interlude. Uh, normally, this would be what would have come on a, on a, uh, a Saturday, a wrap-up Saturday, but I didn't do wrap-up Saturday. Part of the reason I didn't do Wrap Up Saturday is Wrap Up Saturday is generally, in my mind, designed to be a summary of what God is telling me based on what we've read throughout the week. Now, Acts 1, Acts 1, 2, and 3, Acts in general is different from anything else we've read so far. All the other letters we've read have been epistles teaching letters from the apostles to a church, right? Peter had a specific message. James had a specific message. John, Paul, all these guys, they wrote letters to teach. And that's kind of easy to pull a devotional out of. Uh, what should I do? Um, what can I do? That kind of thing. Because the primary, the primary reason for writing those letters is to teach you what to do. So it's kind of easy to pull a devotional out of that. But Acts has been different for me. And primarily it's because it's a historical narrative. Its primary purpose isn't to teach you what to do. Its primary purpose is to tell you what they did. Though there's lots of useful information and wonderful things that we can pull out of it, and we have. I've been looking for that thing that I can apply to me that I can take away, if you will, and apply to my life. And so Saturday, I wasn't ready to do that because I hadn't figured out what it was God was telling me to do. So I went to church on Sunday and went to my daughter's church and I played guitar with her in church. Uh, she's a marvelous flautist, flute player for those uninitiated. And it was a wonderful service, and her pastor is a wonderful preacher. And he preached something, and all of a sudden, everything started to click. He said something that just linked up everything for me. So, as a way of introduction for today's devotional, let me summarize for you my story. Most of you have heard my story, how I got saved in boot camp, and God promised me ministry. From that point on, I proceeded as because I knew what that ministry was going to be. I was going to be a preacher or a worship pastor. Over a period of the next five or six, seven years, God pretty much informed me that I was not going to be a preacher, that I was not going to be a worship pastor. And long story, very long story to a very short story, he told me that my ministry was to be a husband a father and a friend. That was it. That's what I was called to do and be. And I was satisfied, I was happy with that because first of all, I'd heard from God. He, he told it to me in a very specific, powerful way. So there's no mistaking what he, what he wanted to tell me. So I was to be a, a father, a husband, a father and a friend. Well, both my kids are grown now. My role as a father 
and raising children is over. So one of those three things is done. And I'm, I was thinking, what do I do next? What's up next? I'm always going that way. What's next? What's next? What's next? I want to go, want to go, want to go, want to go. Well, several years ago, I received a diagnosis of, uh, that I was in the beginning stages of congestive heart failure. Now, whenever that happens in a family to someone you love, it changes things up a lot, it changes the dynamics up a lot. Um, in the beginning, we didn't know what this meant. It sounded very dire, and it is. You're, my heart was failing. And they had to go do several procedures to try to fix it, and they did fix it. They fixed the underlying cause of my congestive heart failure. And as a result, my heart has not had AFib for the last two years. And it has regained its strength and I'm no longer in the danger zone of congestive heart failure. And that puzzles me a little bit because honestly, I thought God was giving me previews of coming attractions that he just told me how he was gonna take me out. My heart was going to fail. And someday in the not so distant future, I was my heart was going to fail and he was going to take me home to be with him. And I'm okay with that. I know that this life is the entry level to eternity for me. That when God does call me home, I'll close my eyes here, I'll open my eyes there. Where there will be more adventures, more things, I believe that my eternity has been taken care of. I'm sealed in the Holy Spirit. And so death doesn't scare me. Ain't gonna lie, sometimes the way I die might scare me. But death doesn't scare me because I know to be absent from the body to present with the Lord. So I'm ready. And as it began to appear, that this congestive heart failure condition I was suffering from wasn't as dire as I thought it was. And as it appears that it has been beaten back, and then I have some years added on to my life, I thought, okay, God, why did you do that? Why did you wake me up with that? Because honestly, a congestive heart failure diagnosis like that, it causes you to think about your mortality and and Am I doing what's important? And you know, you start taking an assessment of your life, which I did. And starting in July of this last year, uh, I started doing these daily devotions like what we're doing here. And the purpose, again, wasn't to scratch that, oh, I wanna be a Bible teacher itch. No, God said I'm not going to be a Bible teacher, but it was a point of accountability for me to get into the Word each and every day. Now, I'd kind of walked away from that for a time, for quite a while, for a long time, years as a fact, matter of fact. And as I started getting back into the Word of God and he started showing me things, a spark of something was ignited in my heart. 
And now I begin thinking, okay, well, I've got some years left. God, what can I do? I want to go out. I want to, I want to spend the last part of my life swinging for the fence. What do you have for me? And that's where the book of Acts comes into play. And with that, I'm going to go to this document here and we're going to do some review. We're going to show, I'm going to show you what God showed me. I'm going to call this lesson the interlude. Starts off with Psalms or Isaiah 40, 31. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Another translation says, they that wait upon the Lord. Those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. I could use some of that walking and not fainting thing. I could use that not growing weary thing. Soaring on wings like eagles, that sounds like a blast. Let's do it. What's the requirement? I've got to wait on the Lord. All right. Anybody who knows me knows that waiting is not my strong suit. I don't like to sit and wait for something to happen. If something's not happening, it's always been my tendency to wait in swinging and make things happen. But here it says, I want you to wait on the Lord. Those that do, they'll soar on wings like eagles. Now, Psalms 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of living water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf doesn't wither, whatever they do prospers. All right, so this tree is planted by streams. It's well-watered, well-fed. It yields its fruit in season. When it's time for the fruit to show up, the fruit shows up. But before that fruit shows up, it's planted by streams of living water. There's a period of waiting in that tree's life. Fruit doesn't happen the minute it just springs out of the ground as a little shoot. It has to grow into a tree. It has to mature. At the right time, fruit shows up. So, the psalmist here is saying, blessed is the one who doesn't walk in step of the wicked, etc., etc., who meditates on his law, the Lord's law, day and night. Well, Lord's law, what's that? His word, right? Duh. And the word meditate means to take the time to talk to yourself. It hints at talking, murmuring to yourself. So you could say, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who talks to himself, who takes the time to talk to himself about the word of the Lord, day and night. Well, guess what I've been doing since July? I have a passage of scripture coming up. I'll read it and I'll spend the evening talking to myself about it, revisiting it. And then I share what I talk to myself about the next day during our devotional time. I'm muttering to myself about the word of the Lord. And as I've gone on from July to now, I'm talking to myself more and more about the Lord. 
about the law of the Lord, the word. I'm asking God, what does this mean? What do you have for me? And I'm for the first time in my life, I have no agenda. I have no career in mind. Long time ago, I was always looking for the next thing to do, the next job, the next career, the next project. For the first time in my life, I don't have a next thing. In fact, when I received that diagnosis of congestive heart failure, I quit looking into the future. I quit looking and longing for the next thing, trying to get to the next thing because there wasn't going to be a next thing. I had congestive heart failure. Well, now that heart failure has been taken care of, my heart is healthy. It's, we, we've, reversed, we've reversed whatever problem there was. And now I have some years, but guess what? I have years waiting on me and I don't know what to do. And that's liberating in a sense because I'm not under the pressure of trying to manufacture something, which leads us to Acts chapter one. The disciples had just gone through the death and resurrection of Christ. They'd just come through three and a half years of ministry with him. Uh, a very important chapter in the life had come to a close. Jesus had was getting ready to go back to heaven. And one of his last words to them was, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Shortly after this, he was taken to heaven. They were given a command to wait. That would frustrate me to no end. Were they just supposed to go sit on their hands? Were they supposed to, to wait on the Lord? Were they going to hang out passively, twiddling their thumbs, waiting for God to do something? Just waiting? That's not the kind of wait that God's talking about here. Let's see what they did. The apostles, then the apostles, returned to Jerusalem from the hill, called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. And here's the important part. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Their waiting was not passive. They were, if you want to use it, they were actively waiting. They were waiting on the Lord to reveal himself. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know how the Holy Spirit was going to be manifested, how he's going to manifest himself in their midst. They, don't, they didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know about the tongues of fire. They didn't know about the... Uh, speaking in other languages. They didn't, know, they didn't know, but they waited actively, joined together in prayer. What I've been doing since July is every day putting aside the question of God, what do you have for me next? What, what is the next assignment? My children are raised. What's my next assignment? I'm still continuing to be a husband. I'm 
still continuing to be a friend. But God, is there something else you have for me? And I believe there is. But for the first time in my life, I'm not pushing. I'm going to wait on the Lord. Because I know that if I wait on the Lord, I'll mount up with wings like eagles. I'll run and not be weary. I'll walk. I won't faint. I know that whatever God has for me will invigorate me, give me energy and a purpose. Whatever God has for me, it's going to be glorious. I know that as the tree planted by the streams of living water, it takes time for a tree to mature to the point where the fruit is ready to show up. So I'm going to wait. My waiting is I'm going to be meditating on the word of the Lord day and night. I'm going to talk to myself about what God says. I'm going to ask God, how, how does this apply to me? What, what do I need in this? What do you have for me here? I'm going to actively wait on the Lord. I'm not going to be passive. I'm not going to sit around doing nothing. I'm going to do what I always do. I'm going to go teach my students. I'm going to meditate on the word of the Lord day and night. I'm going to do some recording. I'm going to uh, work on a book idea that I've got. I'm going to do all these things. Continue to go on doing what I do. But I'm not going to push for God to reveal himself because I know he will. The disciples were told to go and wait. And they did. And while they were waiting... They prayed, they read the word, they were actively waiting. Oh, Henry, I do like that. Thank you. That is a good verse. Mm. Henry just wrote Acts 20. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Yep. As a Christian, I'm called to that, to testify to the good news of God's grace, God's grace to me. And now I'm waiting to see what form that's going to take. I'm waiting to see, actively waiting. I'm going to be in the Word. I'm going to be meditating on it day and night. I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be talking to God about His Word. I'll be fellowshipping with my brothers and sisters. I'm going to wait on the Lord. And what happened next? Well, we all know what happened next in, this, in, the, in, in Acts. Let's see here. Let me go up to Acts 1. We'll just do a quick review here. They were praying. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And then they took care of some, church, some business about replacing the apostle, replacing Judas. Um, and then Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came. Now, this wasn't immediately on the heels of Jesus' command. So, they spent some time just waiting. They didn't know. They didn't know what form it was going to take. But they prayed. And they met together regularly. They were actively waiting. And their activity consisted of prayer. And I'm sure, talking about the word. And then suddenly a violent wind came, the tongues of fire showed up, all were filled with the Holy Spirit, 
people heard them speaking the the uh, glories of God in their own languages, and Peter stood up and preached a monumentally powerful sermon. Peter was changed. He waited on the Lord, and they were all changed when the Holy Spirit fell on them. So, as I wait on the Lord, I'm confident of a couple things. He will deliver. He will show me what's next. I'm not done. He's not done with me. And I know that when his spirit falls on me, when his spirit reveals to me and strengthens me and empowers me to be the kind of witness he wants me to be, it'll be glorious. So until that moment that God reveals that to me, I'm going to wait actively wait. I'm going to pray. Spend time in the Word doing just what we're doing here. So there is a practical message from Acts chapter 1 through Acts chapter 2 and 3. Wait on the Lord. Part of the reason we don't like to wait, I'll, well, let me put, I'll put it, I can talk about me. Let me do that. One of the reasons I don't like to wait is because I feel like every second the tick spies is a second lost. A second that I could have used doing something, whatever that something is. But I forget many times that God is not a slave to the time. We're slave to time. God is a God of eternity. He's not a slave to time. We are. And God will do what God will do when God wants to do it. Um, was it a day with the Lord as a thousand years? He's not, he's not encumbered by time. We are. So if God wants to wait 20 years to reveal himself to me, okay. That's 20 years of me fellowshipping with him, being in the word, loving God, loving my neighbor. I'm okay with that. David was anointed king of Israel when he was a young teenager. He didn't become a king till almost 20 years later. Uh, Moses had to go hide and, sh and shepherd sheep for 40 years before God had brought him back to be to the leader of Israel that he wanted him to be. Noah told of a monumental disaster coming, a flood, which was ridiculous in the ears of his neighbors. And he spent 100 years building a boat that was going to save him and, and a bunch of animals. He waited 100 years not knowing what rain looked like, what it was going to be like to flood. Had no clue. He waited a year to see the fulfillment of God's promise to him. A hundred years to see God's pro uh, fulfillment of his promises to him. So God doesn't always work on our timetable. Paul the Apostle gets saved on his way to Damascus. Starts preaching. Raises a huge ruckus. The disciples snuck him out of the city for fear of his death. And then he went back to Tarsus for maybe 14, 15 years before Barnabas came to get him. He was put on the back burner for 14 or 15 years before God launched him into ministry. So if God wants to wait, I'm okay with that. God's going to do what God's going to do. But I know this for a fact. The disciples waited on the Lord actively, praying, being in the word. 
They waited and did that until God definitively showed up. And when God shows up, there's never a mistake. There's never, it's not an iffy thing. God has a way of making his presence known. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. That's our word for the day. Tomorrow, we will pick it up with Acts chapter 4. And we are going to see what the religious leaders' reactions to Peter's sermon in Solomon's colonnade was. You can probably guess how that's going to go. All right. God's blessings to you all. Here's my coffee. I'm Mr. G. And I'm out of here. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.